Hey everybody, welcome to the show. I'm your host Mike, and thanks for joining me for this episode of Amateur All Tours. Uh, this episode, we uh, we have Lindsay back, continuing uh, some uh, musical themes, uh, musical episodes. But uh, once again, Lindsay, thanks for coming back and uh, doing this episode with me. Thanks for having me back. Excited to talk about it. Yeah. So this so this week we're going to be talking about Bo Burnham's Inside, his newest uh, Netflix comedy special, comedy musical, and. Um, this was actually the one that um, I really wanted to get your input on first and foremost. I, I threw Tick Tick Boom in there to kind of be like, oh, hey, you know, we could talk about that. Although I did really want to talk about that. But really, Inside is something that I've been wanting to talk about since I've seen it uh, back in. Uh, well, we'll get into that. But I'm just curious about, Lindsay, what your relationship with Bo Burnham is, Inside, all that, everything Bo Burnham. What's your relationship? Uh, well, Bo Burnham, I've heard some of his YouTube stuff off and on, so I was familiar with it. I actually watched Inside for the first time back in June, July, so last summer or so, and watched it at the um, at the suggestion of one of my coworkers at the time. And then while I was watching it was texting one of my other theater friends the entire time, asking her if she'd seen it. And she was like, yes, it's amazing. And then she started watching it. So we were both kind of texting in real time, watching it together during what was still kind of a pandemic ish situation. <laughs> so it was, I mean, I immediately loved it. I loved the production value. I loved the lighting choices, the differences in musicality and, and all of the different choices that he made. I thought it was fantastic and it, somewhat similar to his other comedy specials, but distinctly different, which made sense as it was a really weird and different time. Yeah, uh, Bo Burnham for me, I, I, I'm going to share a lot of similar sentiments. Um, I actually knew, so I'm 26, so he's a little bit older than me, but I remember, I guess I was in middle school when like Bo Burnham was making a sweep throughout um, throughout YouTube. Like I'm Bo Yo, I remember that being like a popular song played at that time. And I remember being like, oh yeah, like I get it. I get why people like it, but wasn't much for me. And then I remember like when I was getting older, I guess like late high school into college, I remember hearing about his specials. I'm like, oh, and, and like Vine. I remember he had like a huge Vine following as yeah. well when that was a thing. And I remember recognizing him from like Vine compilations because I didn't have Vine, but I thought they were funny. Um, I guess it's more like TikTok now. Like I don't have it, but I'll watch the, I'll finally watch the compilations of like the funny ones. I'll have someone else sift through it. Um, but what, yeah, I remember seeing, hearing about his special and like, oh, that's the guy, that's Boyo. Okay. And um, I, and I remember watching what when I was in college, but honestly, I remembered nothing of it other than the ending was, uh, was pretty, pretty great. So um so then we fast forward to 2020 or 2021, I guess. And uh, I actually was getting a lot of recommendations specifically from uh, my, my brother, Brian, where he's like, yo, you should watch inside. It's really great. Um, it's something like uniquely special. And I don't know why that didn't sell me on it because it took me a while to watch it. I was just putting it off, putting it off, putting it off. And uh, it was actually, I watched it last October for the first time. Um, I was actually, it was like my, two, three weeks vacation that I saved up. It was like my COVID trip. It was the trip that I was going to go and then COVID happened. So I guess it's appropriate that I watched this special during that. I was 
mm-hmm. on the plane coming back um, from uh, Key West, Florida after diving trips. And I was watching this. I remember just being like totally, totally ta- like just amazed in what I was watching. And the first time, and I feel like every, every subsequent viewing has just, I've had a different appreciation with each, each uh, watching. Um, so definitely love inside and we'll get into that as well. Um, but for this conversation, I did go back and watch uh, his other two specials on Netflix, uh, What and Make Happy. And I got to say, what not the biggest fan of, I think there's a lot of problematic comedy in there and a lot of it didn't age well, although there are two, um, there are two bits that I did enjoy um, with the left brain, right brain. I like that whole idea and the ending. You think, you know me, I think that was really good introspective comedy. Um, but a lot of it in what I just thought was pretentiousness and just trying to be self-aware of uh of like it's subverting his comedy like and also i said a lot of the jokes didn't really work but make happy i almost had a different like the the polar opposite reaction where i was really into it i thought the the jokes were a little bit more thought out thought out and it's also more introspective comedy which is the stuff i like and i think the ending where he makes fun of kanye's yeezy um with the with the uh, the Pringles can, but then going into like his relationship with his comedy and his audience, and I was like, with all with the lighting changes and that he's controlling on the stage, I'm like, oh wow, this is very unique. And uh, when also what's funny is whether he knew it or not, with the ending of Make Happy, it ends in the guest the guest house where inside it was shot. So funny how everything comes full circle there. But um, but yeah, so. I, uh, I do like Bo Burnham, especially after this. I think we're watching the growth and maturity of um, of a comedian who has uh, a different niche in the, in the comedy world. I would agree. And I think he addresses some of the problematic items in his inside special um, that he had in, in his previous specials. He recognizes, I think, that, that he's grown a lot. I mean comedians joke about what they know and he knows a lot more at the age of 30 than I'm sure he probably did at the age of 22 so th- it or makes 15 sense. when he first started yeah, <laughs> right that also that <laughs> <laughs> and so he has he has a few more life experiences at this point and at the making of of his inside special so it's interesting to see that arc and I would say though, that even with the problematic portions of, of his previous specials, What and Make Happy, um, I, I largely agree with you on, on, on both of those. One of the things that fascinated me about both of them was his stage performance. And all I could think of was with the lighting and the sound cues, how much rehearsal time actually had to go into that to make it as flawless as it ended up being. So super impressive there. And you probably have more insight on inside since it was filmed and edited versus a live production. But I think the inside was as akin to the, to the other two stand-up specials as it could be from a filming perspective. 
I yeah. like his cuts, and I know we'll get into that too. Yeah, well, and we can start talking about the the whole um, beginning. And, and one thing I do want to mention, I mentioned this a little bit off, uh, like as an offhanded joke before we started, and that I, I feel like I'm going to be uh, a little bit how I describe as like a Kurt Vonnegut fan, and that I'm going to be drawing meaning where maybe meaning isn't intended there. But I, as I was watching this and I'm looking at my notes, I'm like, oh man, I'm like, maybe it's there, maybe it's not. But you mentioned with the editing versus live performance and just how in tune Bo Burnham is with his um, with his performance art. Uh, maybe it is there uh, because I do, I do think he wants to start conversations uh, about many different things, but I think it, the context can be there if you're looking for it. Um, but beginning with this was, you know, edited, shot, directed by Bo Burnham. Um, I use the quotes inside because I'm, or inside, uh, by himself because uh, there's a, there's a lot of, intricacy that's going on here and go and you know there's a lot of static angle or static shots and lots of zooms and i know exactly what that feels like because every short film i've made was literally by myself and you can't move the camera in ways um that you want them to but i i think there's uh the freedom and limitations like that because it really makes you become creative but there's some things that he does in this where i'm like there did, did he really set this shot up by himself with all these? And if he did, that's even more impressive. But I completely dig the limitations of just we're going to set the camera down. And what can I do to make the shot way more engaging and in, in this sequence way more intricate? And uh, and he does it. I mean, with his it's, it's very Bo Burnham style, just very flashy and very eye appealing. I think there's, there's so much going on in every frame whether it be the lighting choices whether it be uh i think with the editing like the deliberate you know messiness of the room like everything feels mm -hmm. like it was supposed to be where it was like he didn't just randomly put put things somewhere he put them deliberately either in his way or off to the side to you know reflect this uh i don't know this personification of his own mind uh, there's so many things you could take from this and you can the different rabbit holes you could go down but i think everything is very deliberate here I would agree. I think it's, well, I mean, it just going back to, I can't remember. I think it was in what, where he knocks the water off and he says, oh, you thought that was an accident, but it wasn't. So I don't think anything that he does is an accident, especially when he's filming, he can edit out whatever he wants to. And I appreciated the moments that he left in and they felt real. So I imagine they were real when it was clear he had these incredibly like artistically frustrating moments and just wanted to knock stuff over and go into a rage because as I feel like any any artist in any medium will tell you like you've had that moment where it's just like none of this is working I can't do this right now I don't know where to go from here and it felt really raw and I'm sure that's how he meant it to felt it felt like he was being raw in those moments yeah i got a lot of similar vibes um because you're talking about the uh like the creative person or or the artist is having these frustrated moments and trying to make their art and um i forget what the documentary was called but it's um it's about nicholas winding Refn directing only god forgives and i think it's like on filmmaking on directing 
or like my life, Nicholas Winding Refn, but it was made by his wife and she was just filming all of, as he was uh, filming. And I believe it was Thailand um, in Bangkok, this film and there, and I loved it because I mean, I, I'm not what say what you will about the movie, but I love this introspective look at making films because there's a moment where he's like, this is great. This is going to be changing like cinema. This is going to be changing me as a director. And then it's like, later that night and he's like this is shit i hate this i'm awful i don't want to do this anymore like it's it's not going to work and um and just seeing those those swings that raw motion and i think um and us have we've we've both definitely experienced these moments when we're working on like a project or something or writing something and you're just you just have these like cathartic like damn it and he has them i don't think i think those moments are are very are very candid and um, and I think I appreciate that the most. And so I guess the way we can, I'm trying to, I was always trying to think about how we can talk about this because I, I almost want to talk about each song, but I feel like the first, you know, the first act of this is, uh, is, is a little bit more akin to Bo Burnham's, uh, I don't want to say random style, but just how he's, he's making a social commentary with, in different ways. But then there's like a very deliberate point where I feel like um, everything starts changing. And I think that's um, pretty much when um, Problematic, like the song Problematic starts, I think that's like the changing shift of what the focus and the themes of this are. So my, so I guess my interpretation of Inside, and you might have something different, which I think is the beauty of Inside. Like I think that this room, this apartment, this guest house, whatever it is, it's obviously just a, um, a metaphor personification of inside of Bo Burnham's mind and this person is I'm obviously Bo Burnham but it's like almost a character of himself just trying to come to terms and get uh get his mental health in order and I feel like a lot of these songs in the beginning is him avoiding talking about it you know here's my social commentary here's like my con the base of my comedy but like underneath I'm, I'm avoiding talking about what's wrong with myself and there's like spurts intermixed of uh you know him with the long hair and the beard him watching himself talk about his comedy and like future wherever and then once we get the problematic is when he really starts like addressing his own like introspective comedy himself what his comedy means to himself and and then we get into our like awesome ending but I guess we can focus more on the beginning with uh, I'm trying I'm actually have the Spotify uh, uh, what is it uh, soundtrack pulled up so like <laughs> content comedy FaceTime with my mom how the world works white woman's Instagram yeah all these songs are just I think because they all I feel like almost deserve to be talked about but if they don't add to the larger theme it's like oh yeah that's a funny song and it's very catchy yeah and I there's also in a lot of these songs, well, in between each one, that that laugh track, that studio audience laugh track that he has going was really great. A lot of these and a lot of the transitions and a lot of the songs, Mike, I don't know if you're familiar with the show Avenue Q, but it felt very Avenue Q-ish to me, which for anyone not familiar with that musical, it's kind of like an adult version of Sesame Street, all done with puppets. Hmm. And there are, highly recommend it. You can watch it on YouTube. And uh, if you get tickets to a live show, please go see it. But it is a very 
similar comedic style and really about kind of the growth of a person and, or in, in Avenue Q's case, a puppet in <laughs> becoming an adult version of themselves. So that, that made sense to me and those transitions made sense to me, but his first half music was hilarious and I am fully prepared to go through every song too if you want to do it that oh, way yeah of course so <laughs> um so we start with content which is um I think it's it's the opening number and I think it's perfect um I think one of the lyrics like if you were told me a year ago I'd be stuck in my home like I would tell you interesting now leave me alone and then it's like oh well now here's my content like I've made you content uh, with this with this disco ball with the light on his head spinning all around and I think we set the tone immediately with just like visually what we're going to be do what we're going to be seeing here it's it's almost like so simple but it's amazing and how simple the visuals are going to be but how like spe how spectacular they can be and how creative and out of the box that he's thinking about okay we're in this room how can I make this uniquely interesting and he you know, just a light and a disco ball, and he just makes the whole room literally shine. Um, with and then with the underlay of his uh, comedy songs too. So I think we start off like really strong uh, with uh, with content. Yeah, I think it highlights. I mean, I I appreciate how it highlights how grueling and sometimes boring creating content can be but in like an accessible way because it is, it's grueling and it's frustrating sometimes, especially we were talking just before we started, like I work in marketing and I'm not on the content side, but I know all the people who are, and it sounds like something I never want to do, even though I'm right here with you right now, creating content. <laughs> well, this is the content that you want to create. You're not forced yes. to do this. You're like, Oh yeah, yeah I'll true. do this. Um, <laughs> And, and like I and we talk about the transitions too, but I do think they're a lot smoother here. Obviously, I feel like the, the mark of a good comedian is their ability to just have the stream of consciousness conversation with the audience. But uh, like you, you watch guys or comedians like I think of like Bill Burr, where he's so amazing at transitions where or even like uh, John Mulaney, like they could be taught or I think yeah. more Bill Burr because he, he goes in like such wide swings of what he talks about. Like he'll be talking about, you know, bad trap, like people that like road rage. And then he'll be talking about how, you know, um, something really something that will get a reaction like, oh, you should never hit a woman, but you should be able to, uh, you know, hold them down or something. Then he'll just go on this long rant and then he'll go back to you know, talking about food in Boston or something. And you're like, whoa, that's a huge swing of, of comedy yeah. that you just talked about that may or, may, may or may not work, but he has this flow to it where he can throw in some, I guess, like controversial comedy and then just go back to like the standard stuff. And I feel like Bo Burnham does that, but here the transition's a little bit smoother and that self-awareness I think works in this setting a little bit more especially with the themes that he's getting at. He even addresses that uh, with the with the mirror discussion where he says, oh, hi, I'm, I'm working on this and uh, it's going to be me, my camera and you and through your screen as the Lord intended, which I thought was just a funny joke. And then uh, 
and and then he has that line of oh don't expect a smooth transition uh, and then it cuts and he and he's done that yep. before i believe it was in uh in what where he made the editor jokes he's like oh hey what's you know what they say about uh bad editors and then it just cuts and so he's very aware of his medium and that's also very prevalent um through throughout his uh throughout the rest of this this special as well um but i also do like the cuts of him you know like almost in like pre-production of his uh you know the, the edits throughout like before that conversation where he's like measuring the camera distance he's setting the lights up he's doing this this and i don't know if that's a, if that's just for the short or if he's a, if that's actually what he has to do but either way i really dig it because it's showing that like behind the scenes of him like almost prepping to get ready to tackle this like monster of a special um and then we transition straight into uh I guess it's called healing the world with comedy uh, or just comedy. Oh, yeah. And uh, which is, I think another, which is another like funny aside about how some people view their comedy. And I think this is when he starts really getting his, uh, his commentary in there. Cause he's being totally sarcastic. If you couldn't catch up on the lyrics of how sarcastic <laughs> he is. And, you know, I, I, um, I really do love those uh, like the lyrics of uh, like, I'm a special kind of white guy maybe I should just shut the fuck up. I'm bored. <laughs> um, and then even like the, like the, the little details in the background, like when he's drawing on the whiteboard, it's, you know, Malcolm X on one side, weird Al's on the other. And then he's in the vent right in the center where he's the combination of the two. And I just love those little side bits where he's clearly being so sarcastic and even, you know, he's dancing around, you know, writing notes and he looks like a crazy person with his eyes bulging out of his out of his head um so i think this is another really good intro of like just you know his, well his social commentary on what he thinks um uh uh like i guess like these social movements led by white people and white males mm -hmm. and um and just how how comedians think that they're like fighting this this large fight you know oh how can i make a difference while still being at the center of attention and being paid you know i think yeah. that's like that's the perfect line that encapsulates his views on these people and we have seen this trend of comedians moving. I mean, comedians have always really like towed the line and in doing that have, have really made their own, I guess, social commentary. And that's all part of it. But now we're seeing this trend and this movement of it's not just comedy anymore like they'll take a break from their comedy to get really serious about their social commentary and so I'm not sure if that's kind of what he was doing and making fun of and being sarcastic about it at the same time I like to think it was that's kind of how I saw it but it's like comedy is already its own form of social commentary so I'm not going to tell comedians how to do their job they can do whatever they want they're comedians but I definitely prefer it when comedians use their comedy as social commentary instead of getting really serious with a captive audience. Yeah. It's like, we, we, we get it, you know, and, and, and I, think I feel that's like Bo the... Burnham does that. Oh yeah. And, and, well. and he's self-aware, but he's not, um, but yeah, he is using his comedy to have that, that, um, or he's, yeah, he's using his comedy to have that social commentary as opposed to just like, Hey guys, let's turn, let's turn the house lights on. Let's talk about this really serious issue. Now that I have your attention, which could work mm -hmm. as a bit, but far too often you're seeing comedians not make it a bit and they're like oh now that we're gonna talk about we're gonna get serious here um 
And, uh, and it's funny because then we go from that to this observational comedy of FaceTiming with my mom. And, and this is where I think, you know, absolutely accurate. And and like, it's so funny because like, there's so like, there's, and he has a lot of observational comedy in here, just like things you see in life. You're like, and we'll get, we're going to get to one, which I think like hits the nail on the head, but, um, it's, uh, but this is why I think you have to watch the special. Cause I mean, I listen to the soundtrack like pretty frequently as well, uh, when I need a good laugh or just, you know, something. And, um, but watching it, because you, you'll hear the lyrics, you're like, oh, yeah, oh my God, like my mom does the exact same thing. That's so funny. But then, like, I love the bits where he's like FaceTiming and he's like freaking out on his mom. And you can like read the lips, <laughs> like, move your fucking thumb out of the out of the frame. And he's just like screaming at her. He's like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I love you. Bye, bye mom. And, but yep. it's like that internal frustration sometimes that you have with your parents. You just like want to yell at them to be like, and, and I'm sure, you know, you know we're facetiming our moms a lot during covid and um and you and you're just like have all this frustration and you just want to say like move your thumb it's like do this do that but you have to hold it in but i i just love the observational comedy of facetiming with your mom because so many of us are just like like what's that line it's like oh your hair is wet you just take a shower oh how'd you know oh your hair your hair is wet you know just little like sides (laughs) like that that are just like so funny and true to life that we have all you know had those conversations with our moms yeah, absolutely. The number of times I get that, and my mom's always been big into FaceTiming. Me, not so much. But during <laughs> during the pandemic, yeah, I mean, you kind of got used to FaceTiming with people and and having Zoom conversations and Skype conversations and whatever. But the number of times I get that, and we all know, I think, what I'm talking about. You get that shot of the phone like right under the chin, or like will forget that she's on FaceTime and put it up at her ear. And my mom's not old. She's not old <laughs> by any stretch. So, but she definitely. This is absolutely what it's like. And I, I relate. I related hard to that song. Um, and and so and and even and I love it even in between these songs, like transitioning from it, is we get these like asides of just like a cluttered room. You know, Bo Burnham mm-hmm. walking around like, you know, he's fiddling on his piano. And here, you know, we have a, uh, an airplane outside and just stops and like listens. Uh, kind of a reminder of like what's outside. But he's in this dark room with the shirt, the curtains drawn. And um, and then we quickly abrupt to how the world works. Another social commentary, uh, definitely like Avenue Q. Um, it's not going to come through on this transition but um, we had to, you know, we had some Wi-Fi issues and we had to stop. But while we were waiting to pick back up, I looked up um, Avenue Q on YouTube. And uh, this, <laughs> I think the video I watched were If You Were Gay. And I was laughing yeah. hysterically. Um, yeah. So, and I definitely see it here. Um, but how the world works. More social commentary. And what's amazing is I've, well, it's very much set to like Sesame Street. Um which is funny because I, I've heard rumors that he's one of the uh, the writers of like the music for the new Sesame Street movie. Here it's just rumored. I don't know if it's actually happening or not, but I like okay. to think that he sent this as his audition. To, to, <laughs> I, that's I would like to think he did that. I highly doubt that happened, but honestly, though, Sesame Street is a really smart and well thought out children's program and has been since its inception I mean it's covered it's covered subjects that most children shows keep it you know 
I don't know. What's the, what's the phrase? They keep it a 20 foot pole length or more, Yeah. <laughs> you know, they're not even going to touch it, but Sesame street's like, no, no, we'll, we'll, we'll broach that subject. Let's do it. I do love. And this was the, one of the first, I think real swings in the style of music that he's using throughout this entire thing. So you go from the FaceTime with his mom, which is like more, poppy i think we could call it to this kid song where it's very sesame street blues clues situation but yeah. so smart and so well thought out and like weirdly easy to follow even with all the you know five syllable words or whatever what well, hits you there. it hits yeah. you like you're like oh this is what we're talking about like i love socko and just like how simple it is and mm-hmm. uh and just what like the relationship between Sacco and I guess Bo Burnham like representing like I don't know white liberalism or or like these rich these rich fucking white people um who are trying to you know I guess simplify issues and and try and make them more black and white and easy to follow. And then Sako comes in with, yeah, like the, the, these big, you know, $20 words that is the, tr- that, you know, the, the quote unquote, the truth of situations. And, and I love even just like how straight Bo Burnham plays it until the very end. Um, and just, and even how Sako, when, uh, when Sako gets even more agitated, um, it's, you know, how the world works, you know, the, the, the white, upper class is going to suppress the minority uh over speaking them and it's funny well maybe it's not so funny but i've watched people react to this video and 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 the meaning went clear over their heads like i think even one woman was like wait a minute but but why that's really bad that you know like he still did to Sako what he said he wouldn't do it even though Sako listened i'm like that that's the point you well you said it (laughs) that's the thesis you said it and um and I and it, yeah, it's it's very small. Well, we I thought it was simple to follow, but uh, I guess evidently some people missed the point. But um, but That's yeah, fair. just intermixing that, yeah, that yeah. flow intermixing and making it what I think most people would find a very straightforward message of. Uh, but it's not like in your face about it either. Um, I think it's a very creative way as opposed to like turn the house lights on. You know, this is how the world works. It's so like messed up and fucked up, blah, blah, blah. But like, no, Bo Burnham chooses to do it in literally the most simple way with a kid's song and that mm-hmm. literally a child could probably understand it as well and just presents it uh, in this very bubbly, bright way that, you know, harkens back to Sesame Street. I guess implying like this is something that is simple that everyone should understand. Right. If he has to spell it out even more. <laughs> yeah, but some people, yeah. I guess not. Um, but, uh, and and I guess next we get the the, the brand consultant uh, <laughs> bit, which I guess you you <laughs> and marketing thought this was, was even better. I, um, and I, I And I like how he was almost like, I, I was taking, like he was talking about, you know, brands in general, big corporations and how they're, um, they're using that success to like appear woke and when you know what do you stand for bagel bites um <laughs> but I also kind of took that as him as a brand as a social brand where uh, and he was recognizing that yeah I've have a bit of a name now like what do I do with that but he was more poking fun again at the big corporations that's a big theme is you know 
social media, the internet, um, almost being overtaken by these big corporations and how they like manipulate people. Um, but yeah, your your thoughts on the on the branding yeah. image? Yeah, I mean, I I work for a company that's very old school and less concerned with <laughs> with the brand that Bo Burnham was talking about. But it is it is hilarious and just way 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 too accurate, which is which is kind of sad. But I just really like the just the sheer. Uh, I am so at a loss for words today. Like just the pompousness, that's the word I'm looking for, of of him talking about the brand. And I've heard, I mean, mainly insta-famous people, you know, talking about how important your brand is. But that is that is definitely a buzzword just in marketing in general, is you know, you really you really have to you really have to focus on on what our brand is and what's good for the brand and you know we need to have agency and you know it's just it's a big buzzword but i saw that and i was like yep yeah, that's that's what it is even just like the how transparently uh like false it is like the, like i think my mm-hmm. favorite one was jp morgan just say you're against racism in theory yes. and uh <laughs> like stuff like that like the other ones were like bagel bites wheat thins where you're like well they're just you know selling pizza bagels or wheat thins like they don't have to stand for anything but then you know calling out <laughs> jp morgan for oh you're against racism in theory just say just say it so just that transparent yeah. that transparency of just how false these you know, you're clearly just trying to bank on whatever is popular right now. You don't really actually care about these social movements or, or, or change. And how many, like, yeah. And I think people expect every company to respond to the next social movement in a meaningful way, but that is not possible. I mean, you can't, can't just respond and it be meaningful as a company. I mean, you can do certain things, but there's also, I feel like, especially as a corporate company, especially as a publicly traded company, like there, there's only so far, I think they can go as a company when their main priority is the bottom line and making money. Yeah. And yeah, it goes beyond more just putting uh, like a rainbow uh, sticker on your company for a month during, you know, gay pride month or, you know, it goes beyond that. Um, I think is what Bo Burnham's getting into. And, and it's funny because right before we can, you know, it right before that, I think these bits are just long enough. They don't overstay their welcome. You know, he gets his point across and then he goes right into the next bit. Um, which I guess for more for repeated watchings and like conversations like this, but then he, you know, if, I mean, that, that was all in joking, good fun. And then we transitioned into white woman's Instagram, which I think is again, (laughs) another, I think amazing bit of observational comedy. So, and, and I love, again, another bit of like, you can listen to this because I feel like the lyrics have one thing of, it's just like, Oh, you've seen these, but then he doesn't recreate what his lyrics are. So he has like, double 
the amount of, you know, stereotypical white women Instagrams. Um, Lindsay, as a white woman, does your, <laughs> does your Instagram look like this or? <laughs> I will say, look, I'm not, I'm not terribly active on social media. And when I am, it is Instagram. And it's also just mostly memes and cats. So I can't, I can't 100% uh, say that, that I fully follow this song. However, I do follow enough people to corroborate this entire song is pretty accurate. And I do myself actually have a bobblehead of uh, RBG, which is one of the lines <laughs> in this song. So I've never posted it on Instagram, but that is a thing that exists and it is a thing that I have. So I guess, you know, he's right. And I just, I just love his recreations of everything, including the, yep. the like quote unquote sexy photos of like, you know, girls <laughs> that like in with the, with the, with the no clothes on, but just like a sheet covering them or mm-hmm. um, like them like posing in the mirror with their, like with their, with no under or like a long shirt covering their ass, but, but it's Bo Burnham yep. with this scruffy I beard. I have friends his... who've done that too. So yeah, uh, and, think- oh, there's the the coffee with the foam he mentions, like the <laughs> the fancy picture and the foam on their latte and or the pumpkins for days. Or was it the incredibly or the extremely uh, derivative street art or a Lord of the Rings yeah. quote attributed to Martin Luther King or something like like it's <laughs> you, you see these everywhere and I just think this is again more observational com even like the aspect ratio of the screen changes to fit you know like a, a, a photo for Instagram um, yeah I, I, honestly I wish someone would create like a, an Instagram account called like white woman's Instagram and just took screenshots from inside and just posted posted these I thought that was oh uh that would be hilarious or just you know just that you know maybe but well yeah, we'll see <laughs> <laughs> um but uh and then here I think you know we start start changing a little bit um in that you know right after the song we cut to him like a wide shot of him editing or start like watching in a dark room uh I guess like trying to slowly piece together his the special or him uh just even just just watching what he's making alone in a dark room with nothing going on just him sitting there curled up watching um and this is where we get you know another aside of him you know sitting on a stool with a spotlight essentially let me ask everyone a question like everyone expresses their opinion all at once but can everyone just like shut the fuck up for one hour? And then we stent and this was like, well, you're not shutting the fuck up. It's like, that's a good point. But uh, and then it cuts. <laughs> and um, <laughs> and I think, again, this is more of his commentary on just like the poisonous nature of what the Internet can be, social media and just the effects of just people thinking like you have this platform to talk doesn't mean you have to talk every time. And, yeah. uh, and it's, again, he's not hitting, hitting you over the head with it. I think these are things that a lot of people, these are sentiments that a lot of people I would hope are, are having, but they don't, but they still just go on social media and just say this. Can every, can anyone just shut up and, and not talk? It's like, oh, but you're not shutting up. It's like, well, it's a good, you know, that's a good point. But, and then we don't address that point. Um, yeah. <laughs> but and um, I, yesterday, social media was rife with opinions uh, which is what it is. It's social media. 
And so I was watching this kind of at lunch and also just reeling myself about how much I didn't want to read everybody's opinions. <laughs> and then this came up and all I could think was I needed this so hard today right now. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, our next song is Unpaid Intern, which is a very, again, completely self-aware <laughs> bit that it's almost like um, how the world works where it just like hits you and you're just like along for the journey when this happens. Um, so the unpaid intern bit is just, you know, a little 30 second clip of, of Bo Burnham just like, oh, I'm an intern, blah, blah, blah. You know, I just do all the bitch work. And, but it's like, oh, hi guys, I'm gonna react to my song. And it just keeps going and going as a reaction to the reaction to the reaction to the reaction. And to, it gets to a point where there's like five different reactions happening and you can't even like the noise is just so overwhelming that you can't even follow like what's being said. Cause you're trying to listen to the new reaction, but you have the other five reactions going on. But I like what he's saying here and that he essentially is just talking about how he thinks he's pretentious and he's aware of his pretentious nature and, and how he needs this. Um, like he's, he's doing all of this because he needs that validation for the pretentiousness, but, Oh, I'm letting you know that I know I'm pretentious, but I still feel bad about it because I have to do this, blah, blah, blah. And then it just, you know what? I don't like this. Uh, and I think it even goes into um, how he tries to, he, he becomes he's pretentious as a defense mechanism because he wants to avoid the criticism so it's like well you know i know i'm being pretentious so you know hit me with another uh, criticism so it's, it's yeah. again it's, it's more self-aware but it is if you can listen you can hear his own uh commentary and introspection about his own comedy and thinking about his comedy starting to start to rise up a little bit more in the special yeah and i think there was one line in that song, I think, that he said, I feel this desperate need to be seen as intelligent. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I do see you as intelligent, though, because, I mean, and, and maybe that's by design, but it's working on me, Bo Burnham, so, you know, yeah, and I good work, I guess. He, his intelligence is, is, is coming through in like full force here and 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 right after this bit of uh introspection and like oh i need to seem intelligent we get jeffrey bezos part one which is just <laughs> so random and you can't help but not like this um you know i guess more of a commentary and just like these rich billionaires and you know just like yeah we're like a like a, a hoorah go jeff bezos but um <laughs> it's um it's just so bizarre, but it's so fucking catchy that like you'll you'll start like humming it every now and again. I I feel like I find myself just like <laughs> at, at like two o'clock in the morning, just be like Jeffrey Bezos. I'm like, oh god, what am I? <laughs> well, it's it's so catchy, and I love the synth and the lighting in that one. I really enjoyed too. I mean, the the lighting and the setting in the entire the entire special was fantastic, but. I specifically appreciated the lighting in this one. Yeah. And also just, I love like the screech at the end that gets abruptly cut off. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that was so good. It's again, it's all these like little bits of these, he knows exactly how to edit this. It, like, cause I'm sure as he was writing the script for this, he's like, okay, we're going to cut here. Unless, it, unless it was a, um, a, a choice in editing. Cause a lot of the, I feel like you, and as you write, especially these one man shows productions, you write 
you film it and then you're editing you're like yeah this is a little bit better let's do it this way but i can i feel like like we were saying earlier bo burnham everything is so choreographed and down to the like the syllable it's so planned that uh i like i i think that that's more of like okay we're gonna end this mid screech which then goes into him sleeping among his chords um him talking about you know allowing giant media corporation to exploit the drama of our lives and especially like young children's lives kind of goes on this long rant um which again more of a social commentary and then he just ends it with i'm horny and we cut into sexting (laughs) which uh, (laughs) again it's just i just feel like there's just so much of uh there's just so much going on and i just feel like a lot of like people's rants they're just like sexually frustrated and then we just go right into sexting which again is another banger um with uh that <laughs> pun it, intended yeah pu- yeah pun intended um <laughs> that like because i do listen to the soundtrack and whenever like sexting comes up i have to make sure my windows are rolled up because it's going to be weird rolling through <laughs> and literally someone talking about you know sexting someone uh although yeah. it is it is it is such a hilarious and again the, the, I think this is one of the more creative, the, the visually heavy and creative, um, like with the light, the lighting, um, you know, using the projector with the conversation in the background, uh, having the emojis on his face with the lighting and um, using his phone as well as, you know, a flashlight really um, illuminating the scene. But uh, I, I, and there's also those small details because there's a point where he shows the conversation of him like practically begging his girlfriend to sex with him. But he's also like, if you're uncomfortable, it's okay. It's, mo- it's meant to be fun. If any, if at any point you're uncomfortable, please don't, it, we can stop and it's fine. Like, it's just like a paragraph that if you pause, you can read the whole thing. And I did. And I was like, of course, like these, those little details that it's a three second shot that there's no way you're going to read all that but unless you pause it and read it it's just him begging for nudes <laughs> i'll have to go back i can read that then and that is that is a detail i did not catch and uh and oh yeah let's see didn't it, i was just gonna it ended with like his phone dying right like right after he sent a dick pic well this so this whole song is i think just talking about how stupid sexting is and just the absurdity of it right. um and and if you want to do that in like the context of covid when everyone was just locked indoors and just so desperate for any form of you know a sexual attention that they're like sure. oh let's just send we're gonna we're just gonna talk in emojis we're gonna talk like we're dirty like we're ancient egyptians and it's like oh here's a ferris wheel here's a ticket a snowman a top hat what okay like this is the weirdest <laughs> sex thing i've ever seen and then um and then he chicken oh i ching it out i sent my face okay here's my here's my dick it it looks like the baby from a racer head and then he sends it anyway and then his phone dies so it's like all of that for for nothing um yeah and uh yeah and then the phone dies and he's all all alone another night all alone um that part <laughs> cracked me up too only because well two reasons your phone dies and a he didn't freak out about it and b he didn't plug it in yeah it's simple solutions here um mm-hmm. but uh and and after that bit we have the thank you for watching which is a 
it's it's so bizarre because he's like, oh, thank you for watching, guys. And then he suddenly has a steak knife and he's pointing at the camera. So this very like upbeat, thanks, guys. But it's now threatening and he's pointing a knife at the camera and it's so unsettling. And then we have a like eight to ten second pause where he's just smiling with a knife in his hand. Yeah. Um, almost just like, thanks for watching this far. I hope you're having a real fun time. Some more music coming on. And then he just smiles with a knife in his hand like another have random you... transition <laughs> so in your i don't know filming uh history have you ever had to direct or act or do anything like that where you have to hold at the very end of the scene whatever face you're making or like hold a smile until it cuts so, someone says cuts uh, i've done that yeah. just because it's just for for just so you have somewhere to cut yeah yeah I've done that. And that is, that <laughs> and is weird it, when you're, that and it's weird it by yourself. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it goes like, on just a little too long. <laughs> just a little too long. Yep. Is the far, far too long smile hold for the cut. <laughs> um, with a knife in his hand. By cut. himself. By yep. himself with this bright green background. <laughs> it's just, again, so odd. Random. Yep. Um, but uh and and this is when i think we have the kind of the big change when we have i think it's i think it's inside when he says trying to be funny when stuck in a room and i think that again is is everything that the special is you know um as a side remaining meeting time if this if this ends we'll just start another one but okay. i've never had i've never had this is the first time this like 40 minute whatever you need to upgrade but um, anyway, uh, we'll just keep going unless that happens. Um, cool. So, yeah, big changes here. Uh, you know, trying to be funny when stuck in a room. But um, I think the big change happens when now we have him watching a video of himself watching. Uh, hip well, he's watching himself as a 15-year-old with, like, his early days on YouTube. Just, like, almost, like, in a dark room, almost looking like he's, like, loathing what he's seeing. And that transitions right into problematic. Yep. Which is a interesting setup because it's like an 80s uh, like workout montage of him uh, talking about how problematic his comedy was in the past, which I'm assuming includes Make Happy. Um, what I haven't seen words, 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 but if it's anything like what I'm sure there was some problematic stuff in there. And also, you know, like Boyo or I'm, I'm Boyo, all of his other musical stuff. And yeah. he's, he's, I think, making fun of celebrities that are just like, okay, with just like throwing out these apologies of like, oh, yeah, I've done this, but, you know, it's okay, I'm changing. But I do think that he is very introspective about some of the stuff he has said in the past. Um, it's, what is it? It's perfectly lawful, just not very thoughtful. Um, yeah. But, uh, you know, I think he does actually, he, he is like so, thinking, thinking about the things he's said. But he's also trying to be like, hey, it was, you know, it was, you know, it was the comedy. It was, it's not excusable, but I'm not trying to make excuses, but, you know, it was I said a different what I said. Time. Yeah. I do like, I do like the montage, like, format of basically him trying to become his, like, best, most woke self, which I feel like a lot of people are doing. Here's one part I did not get and maybe that's the point I don't always get every small facet of Bo Burnham's comedy and that's some of the beauty of it but 
he showed a lot of belly button in this montage. Yeah, which, that and that's which where, is fine. That's where I, I think like, it was definitely right. sarcastic. And like, yeah. I think it's like because like the moment that I was like, okay, he's like definitely making fun of himself is when it's like the picture, it's the close up of the belly button, and then he just shoves a water bo- bottle into it. <laughs> Um, you're like, what? <laughs> um, and, you know, obviously the whole working out, he's like physically trying to be better as well as, you know, like mentally cathartically better. Um, but I think, yeah, it's like, yeah, the belly button stuff. I guess he just thinks belly buttons are funny because he's, he's talking about, you know, you know, being dressing up as a lad. I have a lot of skeletons in my closet. I have a lot of a lot. I, I dress up as a lad when I was 17. I didn't darken my skin, but it was weird. Um, yeah. Oh, should I throw out? Should I burn? Should I burn the costume? Wait, should I not? Is that what? What should I do with the costume? Yeah, um, I don't know. It's okay. Uh, but even and I think like the whole like the like when he says I'm sorry and he's got the lighting as the as the cross and the crucifix and he's you know I'm sorry <laughs> you know obviously he's completely self aware. Um, but it's almost I think that's like the making fun of the celebrities who go on the soapbox of just like, I'm so sorry. Like, this is my cross the bear. I was such a bad person and it's yeah. so over dramatic. But I think Bo Burnham is like just very acutely aware of what he's saying, but also trying to have like put himself in there. Like he's not totally making fun of the idea, but he is aware uh, and he is and he is drawing attention to his own comedy. Um, or at least his past comedy here. And uh, not that he's trying to, you know, be like, oh, I'm, 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 I completely disavow what I said. He's just, oh, I'm, I'm going to be better in, in like, I'm going to yeah. be more aware of what I'm saying. Um, and I, and again, another side of it where he's setting up for the next shot and the camera almost falls. Like I, I yelled yes. with him um, when it <laughs> falls. And that, and again, that just seems like that moment where there, that had to be found in editing was like, I have to put that in there because that shit is just way too raw. And there's no way anyone would risk a camera in that way. Um, And yeah, I yelled with them like that, that, that gas just feels way too real. Way too relatable. (laughs) He's like, shit. (laughs) Um, I I just, I just had to say that. Um, And then we get our turning 30 mon or turning 30 song. And um I think, you know, more of the thoughts snuck in there about social media, you know, it's causing mental disassociative disorders when you're late 20s. But um, mm-hmm. and we talked about this a little bit last week uh, with, you know, I think Jonathan Larson from Tick, Tick, Boom would, you know, also love this song and feel the similar sentiments. But yes, um, I definitely got Jonathan Larson vibes in this song. Yeah. And just this idea of like and I feel do you feel like a lot of creative people have this idea of, you know, we need to do something pat like by by the time we're 30 or late 20s because like after 30 it's downhill I don't know if it's necessarily if it's 30 for everyone I know for some people specifically like people that I knew uh, they had this like lofty goal by the age of 27 and sometimes it's just like go as fast as you can and do as much as you can as fast as you can. And I think at least for me, it was just because it was incredibly, I was in a, a, an incredibly competitive uh, world, you know, in, in college. And that is kind of what turned me off to, you know, the professional world of of theater specifically. And you know, I think you do, there's all this pressure, even after I, I stopped doing and I joined the corporate world and, you know, I'm living my best life and 
and love my job, there was at the beginning, like this incredible pressure because you're seeing all of your friends and people you knew do all these great things and get these jobs and be in commercials, you know, and it's, it's hard to not compare yourself to other people in that moment. And I think with the turning 30 thing too, I think it's especially relevant for millennials just because we have lived with our parents who achieved so much by the age of 30, had two kids and a house and three cars and, you know, was VP of their company or, you know, then there's the generation below us of Gen Z who is like, you know, just free balling it. And they, <laughs> they, they've been around since like, this is the world they've only ever known. And so when you grow up seeing both like pre and post uh, com era, it's just like a weird, weird place to be in. And I think it's hard to not have these milestones that you're not obsessing about hitting when you've seen people in other generations hit them so easily. Yeah. And, and uh, I say the millennial and whatever this new Gen Y, whatever they are, like, they're changing milestones and they're changing social norms of, and, uh, and that's, and it's not, it, it's more of a response to changing times. Um, so I think, you know, turning 30 means something totally different now than it mm -hmm. did, you know, 20 years ago, even 10 years ago. Um, I think, um, I think the, the, the line, he says it perfectly where it's like, you know, when, when my grandfather was 27, he was fighting Vietnam. When I'm 27, I built the birdhouse with my mom. And um, yep. <laughs> I, I, again, it symbolizes that changing of culture, changing of social norms, and just changing of you know, of uh, of just as a society how, where we're change where we're where we're drifting to. So uh, right after this, he, he the final lyric was interesting too because he says, you know, I'll just live another 10, 20 years, and then I'll kill myself, and then it ends and then it cuts to the bit where he's saying you know don't kill yourself i don't want to kill myself um you know i've i know people that have killed themselves and it's just not it's just not good and then it, again another visual change where it cuts to you know the projector uh both sitting there and it's projected onto his own shirt but he looks way more haggard hair is a lot longer and he's just almost like looks not disinterested but just a lot more uh, sullen and I guess change. Mm -hmm. And he's just watching himself talk about, you know, suicide and, and the joke and almost explaining his joke. Um, and I think it's the closest thing where the, where a, the com or a comedian just like, oh, house lights, let's talk about this very serious thing. But he still presents it in a very interesting way. Um, and he has made suicide jokes in the past, I think in his other specials. So I, was Googling something for this and I Googled Bo Burnham and you know, it autofills. And one of the first things that autofilled was Bo Burnham. Did he kill himself? <laughs> and I was <laughs> like, okay, well, I know that that's not true or I know that he didn't, but the fact that so many people are, are doing a search for that was like, wow, they really, really believed him. And He's pretty explicit every time he makes that joke that he is in no way interested uh, in doing that, but he's really believable. Yeah, yeah, and um, and it, it is it's it is and I think that goes into like his his problems with mental health and um, 
I think, uh, and, and he kind of gets in a little bit into the later in the special, but it's almost like, um, I don't want to say it's a warning sign, but, you know, we all probably should have known when someone is excessively joking about suicide, that maybe their mental health is, uh, is maybe declining a little bit. Um, even if it's, even if they say, oh no, I'm okay. I, I, I am no way interested in this. You know, joking about suicide is definitely a, uh, something to be con- concerned or question. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and right as he kind of gets from there, we get our quote unquote intermission. He's cleaning the glass and we get into, uh, I don't want to know, which is essentially, you know, are you liking the show? I'm asking, but I don't want to know. And I think this continues that idea that he made at the end of make happy where it's the relationship with the audience where it's like, I need you, but I don't want you. I want to make you happy, but I also don't want to care about what you have to think about me. And I think it just is adding more to the, the layer of, you know, my audience relationship. And, um, you know, I, I, I want to know, but I don't at the same time about what you think about this. I've never been in. Well, I mean, I guess so. Like, I don't, I don't read reviews about myself, so maybe I just am fully avoidant (laughs) (laughs) about all that because I'm happier that way. So I get it. Yeah. And, you know, every, I I feel like in you here with content creators, you know, they'll read a hundred or 99 good comments. And then the two that are criticisms and some are me and they remember those out of mm-hmm. the hundreds of praise so i feel like a lot of creative people do they they uh they prefer the constructive criticism but when someone is just like me and they remember that um yeah yeah i'm all, i'm all for constructive criticism I, you know lay it on me but yeah some i mean especially with anyone can comment on anything and yeah. be as you know yeah, don't Hateful be a dick. As they want and trolly as they want. Yeah, yeah absolutely. <laughs> and uh, and then following that, we kind of get our. I feel like this is probably this feels more like a response to COVID when we have like our inside let's play where it's like day two hundred fifty three, <laughs> which again was really well done with like the the let's player or the street the the game the the streaming or the gaming. Um, even like because I've watched guys like that, and even just like there's little details of like, oh, thanks for the sub. Yeah, we're at four months. Yeah. Oh, look at we're in a two, like a two D animation. This is cool. Oh, we cry. Oh, that's all we do. Um, and I think that's, I think this is a little bit more of a representation of Bo Burnham writing this special, where it's like I wake up, I cry, I try and get out. I'm locked inside the door. I write music, and I and I go to bed. Um, and I think then we pair the rest of this with, um, you know bag of shit feeling like shit and uh atl all-time low i think these were all very much in response to covid while he was writing this um in that i feel like everyone has felt this at one point during covid especially like two-thirds of the way through the year still locked in quote-unquote locked inside um you just the end the endless repetition of just staying inside doing the same shit every day um and then, you know, oh, woke up, you know, woke up at 1130 feeling like a bag of shit. Uh, and then, you know, my uh, my mental health is an eight is reaching ATL, which is an all time low, not Atlanta. Um, so, yeah, I definitely like these like three songs in rapid succession with each other. Yeah, 100 percent. And I do love the gameplay. I have watched the you know, I've watched I've been known to watch Twitch on occasion and and uh see all that and it's very realistic i love the i guess i'll i guess i'll cry again okay well it's it's boring but that's the point 
<laughs> yeah, welcome. To, well, thanks for the sub. I appreciate you, man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, and after all of this, I really like, I think one of my favorites, mo most favorite songs of the specials, Welcome to the Internet. Um, <laughs> definitely his final statement on the internet and social media. And this is a song that I feel like I listened to the most of this entire special, like even just in the car. Um, I Like lyrically, there's just so much going on here. And I think the visuals are just the appropriate amount of crazy. It's mm -hmm. like appropriately in blue light with like kind of like the universe and the green going on. And um, and, and what I love about this song is just, you know, what he says and, and it perfectly encapsulates the internet. And even like my buddies and I, while we're like randomly playing D&D, we'll just sing these lyrics to each other, like just randomly <laughs> throughout. Um, and uh, and I love that the character of the Internet is played as like this nightmarish, like snake oil salesman, um, just like yeah. slowly enticing you in. And it just slowly escalates and escalates. Um, like, what, what is it? Uh, you know, here's a healthy breakfast option. You should kill your mom. You know, like just little juxtaposing things like this, where it's just like totally the inner sense of the internet, you know, oh, you know, you should, uh, here's a healthy, yeah, like I just said, here's a healthy breakfast option, and then abruptly cuts to, oh, you should kill your mom, just like the insidious nature of you're looking up something so innocuous as that, and then the internet is going to slowly creep in and say, you know, start suggesting that you should kill your mom, or you should DM a girl and groomer, or you should uh, threaten a boomer, or something like that, you know? <laughs> Yeah, he's very much like a puppet master. And I don't know if you are familiar with or ever watched. It's kind of an older animated film or animated movie, whatever you want to call it, called We're Back. And it's about dinosaurs. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. And it reminded me, he reminded me of the creepy circus uh, guy in that movie. Mm was the first thing I thought of, but very puppet mastery, like trying to spin these webs to get you sucked into the internet, which is, I mean, it's, it's accurate. Yeah. And, and I liked the aside where he, the song slows down and he essentially was just describing the internet like post or pre, you know, um, 9-11, pre everything, pre social media, pre smartphone, pre Apple. Um, mm -hmm. where it was supposed to be a safe haven for change and free thought and thinking. And, uh, and then it was just corrupted. I love like the laugh of the, of the, uh, this corruption or coming back in just like, Oh, you, you think it's like, you thought that, but that's so cute. Now let's get back to where we were at. And it just is like this, like polka type beat, like just gets faster and faster and faster. And then mm -hmm. it just ends with like, you can never escape like the corrupting nature of the internet, despite how well and how well intentioned it first started. It's always going to end here. And I think this is like his final message. If, if you didn't get it yet, I think welcome to the internet definitely, you know, solidifies, you know, he think the poisonous toxic nature that the internet can, uh, these communities that the internet can hold. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. So definitely one of my more favorite songs of this, of the special. And, and then we cut to him, you know, saying, am I ever going to finish this? Yes. It freaks me out. Um, it, if it's finished, I can't work on it and I have to go back to reality. So I'll just never finish it. And I think a lot of creatives, especially when you've been working on for something so long, you never want it to end, but eventually you have to face that reality. And, and I think, and then we cut directly to uh, Bezos part two, which is, <laughs> I think, 
directly him saying like i don't want to talk about my mental health like he's starting to have an opening uh like talking about the insecurities of finishing this and then mm-hmm. it just cuts to bezos part two where he's wearing like a ghillie suit and he's still <laughs> like still singing this song he says you did it congratulate like, again it's, it's literally just a diversion to avoid talking about what he actually wants to talk about but it's yeah. still hilarious <laughs> yeah and i was just about to say what a diversion it was and then uh we go into you know he's sitting in a room being applauded his like but he's in his underwear now and his beard is longer <laughs> and his longer hair and um and and he's talking about you know people living in this digital world and that they only go outside to bring it back to the digital world and then he goes into talking about pirate maps which is like that traditional joke following his comedy you know it's like yo if you want if you want me to follow your map you know maybe laminate it uh, and, um a, another diversion but i think it's perfect i think it's it's so like random and off, and off-putting but hilarious at the same time it's very on brand for bo burnham mm-hmm. is what you're saying exactly um <laughs> And then we transitioned into, I guess, that funny feeling, which is probably my least favorite song, um, it, because it's it, it definitely slows the tempo down here a little bit, and I feel like it's just kind of placed here, um, because I feel like at this this later half, now we're in like the true introspection comedy bit here, except here, I feel like this kind of throws off the rhythm a little bit more, um, but I do think it's more like observational uh, comedy, like that funny feeling, and it's good and bad. Um, you know, I, I, I forget exactly because I, I kind of tuned out of this song. So I don't remember exactly what funny feelings are. He says, uh, I mean, I remember him saying like Logan Paul and GTA five. And I took it as like the good and bad funny feelings. But there's obviously stuff that's in here that you're like, ooh, OK. Yeah, I'm going to be honest. I must have fully zoned out for this because I do not. And I watched this twice now and I don't really remember anything about that song no yeah it's okay you're you're totally in the right for missing that song because I, okay. I as i was watching this last night i was debating skipping it but i was like no let's just see okay. maybe i'm missing something well, and i, don't I, feel and so I bad wasn't then. i wasn't missing I was anything like, i know i i'm sure i saw it but boy it just doesn't stand out like all of yeah. the rest of them do yeah other than the opening line of like i'm sorry uh i can't play the guitar and I can't sing. So, you know, like other than that, I think that's the most memorable part of the song. Yeah. And it's that part not that I the remember. song's bad. It's just, I just yeah. think it was placed kind of in not the, in maybe not spot. the right spot. Uh, and then we cut into him in the room. This is again, what we were kind of referencing earlier, like that raw emotion where he's struggling to talk. He's, he's like coming on the one year of working on the special and mm-hmm. he just keeps struggling and struggling to find the right words. And it's like that, like you said, that cathartic, creative frustration and he just mm-hmm. like storms the camera and just starts knocking shit over and he and then it cuts to you know static shot of him saying like i'm not well and he starts crying with a zoom in on the camera which then l- lays into uh all eyes on me but yeah i feel like this i don't know if this could have been maybe it, it was scripted of him just saying like i'm gonna talk into the camera but then it devolved into an actual frustrating moment where he because uh, the the camera delivery in the setup is very like I said deliberate, but maybe he wasn't planning on his emotions at that moment because it feels yeah. way too raw to be scripted. I agree. I I agree. So I don't. I don't. Yeah, I don't. I can't think of how that 
conversation with himself or with the camera would have come to pass, but I'm glad he left it in there. Yeah. I I mean, he didn't have to. Yeah. Especially with editing, because I'm sure he probably recorded things multiple, multiple, multiple times and had different takes, but he chose to leave that in there, much like he chose to leave the camera almost falling or much like he chose to have him editing everything, you know, everything's deliberate. And I think, but that's that magic of just, you know, maybe he thought this was going to happen and then it went a different way, but I think it's very inviting um, of, uh, of his own, like of his own mind and yeah. uh, you know, put your hands up. All eyes on me. Um, misses the crowd. Don't over. Don't overthink things. We're almost done. Talking about this is when he fully, I guess, like self-actualizes and, and describes. You know, I was having panic attacks on stage. I went mm-hmm. to get help, and I got the help. But and then in January 2020, I was ready to perform again. <laughs> and then the funniest thing happened. And I think you know, this is him. You know, it, I feel like a lot of his specials, he has to end on this big note. And he chooses to go out uh, kind of like a rock star or I guess like these rap stars where, you know, put your hands up, everyone with me. But he's uh, he's singing to an empty room. And this is the first time the camera moves like fluidly. Now he's holding the camera while he's doing it. But this is the first time he's it's almost like freeing where the camera was so static and locked. And he just picks it up and just starts moving it around the room with him. very freeing and I think cathartic where because now he's he says oh I've addressed my mental health and I'm you know I'm ready to perform again especially once COVID is out yeah and and oh yeah you're saying can't. yeah and then <laughs> no, again he's just, stuck he's locked yeah. in a room <laughs> uh, so it's just and I, I are we at his ending song now are we ready for that <laughs> talking about his final I, so I'm trying to, I'm searching my brain for like what the last song sounded like, but what I do remember is that it fully embodied like this weird dichotomy of a performer, like being ready to finish a show and lay that character or whatever they're doing to rest while at the same time experiencing this often like very deep and very real post-show depression, which often leads to them just jumping right into the next thing immediately. Yeah. And I, and I, I do like, like the goodbye. Like, I think I'm done. Um, you know, the callbacks to the other songs and it almost is like him not wanting to leave this, uh, this this special and not wanting to put this character yeah. to bed and and i think the ending is perfect where you know it, it cuts to him sitting naked alone in a chair with a spotlight on him which i think mm-hmm. is you know he thinks of himself as like that on stage but it's also um i think it's also him telling himself like you have to put this to bed you have to leave you know you have to move on um but I do love the callbacks and uh, like these these images here. But yeah, I think he immediately he does go into that like post-show depression and because he's put so much effort into this and he has no idea how people are going to respond to it. And he's yeah. just he's putting himself literally so vulnerable on a stage, just seeing how people finish this, especially at the end. Um, and I do let's talk about this ending because I absolutely love it. Um, <laughs> I do too. And obviously when you're seeing the special, like, you're like, okay, he's going to have to leave at some point. And 
And I lo- so this the scene, we have an open crack door with light shining through. The the room is totally clean. It's not cluttered anymore. He gets up, mm-hmm. he goes outside and he uh, and he's it's 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 almost set up like uh like sound stage, like a uh like a what what's the word? What what are those shows called? Uh sitcom, like a sitcom. Yes. And which and is kind the- of how with the laugh track throughout the entire thing is kind of how he set it up. Yeah, exactly. And you know, the blocking with the the lighting and the and the you know, he steps out and everyone applauds him and then he tries to get back in, like very <laughs> animated and people are laughing at him. And and where I think the what's very deliberate is when it cuts to, you know, it's being projected on the same wall and Bo Burnham is watching this as this animated trying to get back inside, but he smiles at the end. And I think that's like the perfect way of ending this because now he can look back, he can watch his insecurities and he can smile at them. I don't want to say laugh, but he has almost accepted them and he's accepted into going back outside. I think it's, it's the whole self-actualization of his own mental health and he's gotten better. And that's how I interpreted the ending was just, he can laugh at his own insecurities and, you know, go outside Absolutely. I definitely think it's just like a, he's at peace and pleased with the result. Yeah. Ready to move forward. And I do, and I do think it is deliberate that he's still inside. Cause it, if he wants people to have that conversation of like, well, did he actually leave? Like, I think it leaves more up for interpretation, but I believe that with that smile, there's so much conveyed through that little smile and then like the hard cut to it'll I guess it's it'll stop any day now or any day now yeah any day now where he's still mm-hmm. kind of in that uh that same melody of um like Sako and and the uh how the world works it's almost like a kid's song but it's still a little bit menacing where <laughs> threatening was like it'll stop any day now and you're like oh okay this is going out on a on one final note um uh, not, not, I wouldn't say a banger, but it's a perfect ending to this, of this uh, special. I agree. And I so, like yeah, exactly. And so we can f- close up with our final thoughts and recommendations. Lindsay, would you like to go first? Sure. Um, final thought. I, I, I loved it. I liked it when I first saw it. I liked it even more this last time yesterday when I watched it, I would highly recommend watching. And especially if you're, a musical theater kid or into musical theater like either of us um and yeah i i'd still recommend going and watching his other specials if you haven't seen them yet just so that you can see his arc as a performer yeah exactly and uh, i'm gonna echo a lot of those sentiments i also highly recommend this this is again with we, we, we said with Tick, Tick, Boom, like we watched it and we immediately wanted, or at least I wanted to immediately go work on some projects and Inside does that for me. Whenever I need some inspiration, I listen to the soundtrack and I start writing again. And and then if I watch it, I get even more inspired for visuals. Um, mm-hmm. Definitely more of, like, I love seeing the introspective side of Bo Burnham. I think that's where his comedy lies the strongest is when he makes it more personal. Um, and, you know, I didn't think this was as pretentious. Really, I didn't think it was pretentious at all i thought everything worked cohesively for the ending product for that smile at the end um so yeah definitely think this is way more cohesive i'm very excited to see more of bo burnham's comedy it's great seeing him grow 
um, as a comedian, as a writer, and, you know, just as a content creator. So um, traditional Altorza or amateur Altorz ratings, I'm going to give this an 8 out of 10. And as my letterbox review, uh, I'm going to give it a 4 out of 5 stars. So, yeah, highly recommend. Really enjoyed it. Uh, Lindsay, thank you again for coming on and uh, discussing these two, uh, these two properties with me. I really, really appreciate it. Happy to happy to do it. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, of course. And if there's anything that you want to talk about that you can't fit into the uh, the film strip docket, or you can't find anyone to talk about, shoot it my way, and uh, we'll talk about it. I'm open for anything. Will do. Awesome. Well, with that, guys, that concludes this episode of Amateur Altours. Thank you for listening. As always, you can find us on Twitter at Altours Pod, or you can email us with any questions, comments, or concerns at theamateuraltourspodcast at gmail.com. And as always, guys, we'll see you next time. Thank you.